Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, fascinating story. I am speaking with Martin Keller. Now, Martin wrote a book called The Spaceman's Club, all about the history of UFO sightings, history of aliens. He talks about his own experiences with um, with UFOs, with ETs, extraterrestrials, um, some of just, like I said, the history behind it, not just his, his own experience, but kind of just why we've gotten to where we are. Of course, we all know Roswell here in the United States. It's a global phenomenon. He talks about something in Mexico. Just a, a fascinating conversation. Now, of course, I always like to to say when we talk about anything controversial, something that maybe people don't necessarily all agree with, you know, this episode's and, uh, you know, the entire podcast is about being not in the huff, not being upset about things. So what I tell you is take what he says, um, obviously as something that he's very, very passionate about, something that a lot of people are passionate about and have some, some good evidence for, um, but take it also as a, an interesting story of nothing else. Let's say you're one of those people that's like, nah, this is, this is hogwash. This is, he's talking crazy. Um, well, you can't deny that uh, he's got a, a really interesting story to tell. So whether it's fact or fiction to you, I think you're going to really enjoy this. I enjoyed speaking with him. Uh, my personal opinions on, on this, of course, is not something that I, I ever really get too much into. Um, but I really, really was fascinated by the conversation. We get into some very interesting things. He definitely has some, some interesting things to say and things I had never even fathom never even heard of before when it comes to to this topic so yeah i uh, i i think that you're going to enjoy this for sure here is my interview with martin keller i'm here today with martin keller mr keller how are you i'm good jackson how are you i'm good as well thanks for joining me appreciate it very much so i just wanted you to introduce yourself if you would obviously we got a lot to cover but who is uh who's martin well, I've had an interesting career. I covered uh, popular culture for about 15 years here in the Twin Cities, which included the rise of Prince, uh, all the indie rock bands that became famous or infamous, like The Replacement, Soul Asylum, Husker Du, award-winning comedians like Louis Anderson, Jerry Seinfeld. And I covered that that whole scene from the 80, from the late 70s through the early 90s. And then I got sick of writing about popular culture. I went to the other side of the desk, went into public relations work. And uh, that's what I've been doing pretty much ever since, although I've written uh, a couple of books since then, including a book about that period where I covered uh, pop culture, and that's called Hijinks and Hearsay. Scenester stories from Minnesota's pop life, and I've had a lifelong interest in the UFO issue, including some interesting experiences. So that's kind of who I am, and uh, I'm still a practicing PR guy. Yeah, uh, we're going to get a lot more into the the UF side of things, or UFO side of things, but I would only assume, you know, with, with your experience in you know, the pop culture reporting side and then moving into PR, just knowing obviously how reporters think and how things get to the, you know, the, how things explode and become viral is what the word would be now, probably not in the early nineties, but I can only imagine that that probably has helped you a lot with the PR side of things and how to manage what, you know, what is reported. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Uh, I still think like a journalist, whenever I consider taking on clients, I go, well, where are their stories? What are their backstories? Oftentimes the backstory will drive the, the front story, if you will. I think I have a pretty good grasp of 
historical and cultural uh, news coverage, which informs what's happening today. Although with with the explosion of social media, it's it's kind of a uh, it, it's almost the wild west. But I, mm. I'm still a firm believer in mainstream media, such as it is. Uh, I think it still sets the tone for a lot of discussion that goes on in 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 the viral world. That's a whole other topic when it comes to social media and and how that has made an impact for sure. I know you wrote an entire book on the pop culture side, you know, kind of that experience. Any, I know, and I want to kind of get to the UFO stuff here here soon. But any quick story from that world, from that book, maybe that you can share from all those years in the pop culture world. I know you've uh, definitely dealt with some some more than household names in that world. So. Well, if you've ever heard Prince referred to as his royal badness, I was the guy that first coined that term. Hmm. I had a column called Martian's Chronicles. It was a weekly kind of gossip column, if you will, at uh, this alternative weekly newspaper called City Pages. And I wrote quite a bit about Prince. Um, I also interviewed Bob Dylan in 1983 when Infidels came out and Later in 1990, went on the, a week-long swing through the Midwest on his never-ending tour. Logged quite a few hours with Bob socially and some of his friends in the Twin Cities area. I mean, what else can I tell you? Uh, Louis Anderson and I were very close friends for many years. Very saddened at his passing in January. Mm. Um Louis was a wonderful human being and always funny, always on. So I've, you know, the pop culture beat, I think, you know, it's a young person's game. I, uh, I got out of it, I think just at the right time and, uh, did a career change and, uh, the rest is history. No, that's, that's awesome. I think that that tidbit about Prince is really cool. I think he had a, a lot of names, even some, formerly known as names. So for you to have created one of those is, is a really, really cool thing. So that's, that's awesome. Let's kind of get into the, the UFO side of things. Obviously we're talking because recently you wrote a book on the, on the topic. What made you decide to even start that research? I want to get into what that research meant, but what made you decide to even take an interest in, in UFOs and then I guess UAPs? Yeah, that's the polite term for, uh, hmm unidentified flying objects that everyone seems to prefer to use, I guess, if for no other reason than to drop all the, the noisy baggage associated with, uh, with UFOs, although UAP, I mean, that's pretty damn broad. That said, I've been kind of a space geek my whole life. I mean, as a kid, I wrote to NASA and asked them for information on on the Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo programs and got a bunch of packets of information back from them about each one of those programs, including a, a bunch of autographed uh, photos of astronauts, mm. which I still have. There's a couple in the book to show what a, what a space, uh, space cowboy I, I really was back then in my youth. Uh, I never lost interest in the space program, and I had two events in high school that are detailed pretty heavily in Chapter 4 of, of the Space Pen Club, which is the book I wrote a year ago, and um, one was a sighting with uh, three friends during a very cold night in western North Dakota out near the Badlands of a, a white oval-type it's hard to say if it was an object because you couldn't really see any structure, but it hovered over this farm landscape about a quarter of a mile from the back of our high school. And then there had been a lot of UFO sightings in that part of the state that week that were reported on the broadcast and in local newspapers. But a few nights before that, my best friend and I, uh, who've known each other since we were five, were walking to a student council meeting and we encountered a, a bright red ping pong sized object that came down from the top of this park that we were walking through 
Uh, middle of winter is very cold. Uh, we were on our way to a council meeting. We had to be there because we were uh, student council officers and it hovered in front of us for about 10 minutes. We had no idea what it was. And uh, eventually it just uh, disappeared. But fast forward to 1991, when I was working on a freelance story about uh, the UFO issue and Dr. Stephen Greer at the Center for the Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence, also known as CSETI, um, I saw five of these types, the same type of spheres in my bedroom at 4.03 in the morning. And that's covered pretty extensively in my book as well. And uh, there were some definite residual effects from that incident. Uh, it was pretty disturbing. And to this day, I still don't know what they were or what they are. And that's kind of one of the narrative threads in the Space Pen Club is trying to discern what is extraterrestrial in nature and what is, uh, you know, what is, what are these other things, these other so-called paranormal phenomena that uh, nobody seems to know or understand. One thing I guess, I guess I kind of want to mention with that is I've talked to some like astrophysicists and, and all of that when we talk to uh, about things off of this planet. And the thing that I guess I'd never realized, because you've used the word paranormal in several of your different, in your book and, and other, other areas I've seen you talk. And, you know, I, I've interviewed some people in that world too. So I never really had ever thought about them as the same thing, UFOs and paranormal. So I guess I just wonder, how do we distinguish whether this stuff that you're seeing is UFO, something that is from somewhere else and something that is paranormal that had its basis here in the, you know, our world, if that makes sense. Yeah. Either our world or interdimensional worlds. Uh, you know, that's, that discussion is all up for grabs. I think there's some fr pretty hard and fast defined terminology about the whole UFO thing as it relates to observation or perception. And Dr. Alan J. Hynek is the guy who coined that terminology, close encounters of the first kind, the second kind, the third kind, which Steve, Steven Spielberg obviously put into the global consciousness with his film of the same name, and then close encounters of the fourth kind, which is an onboard experience with uh, otherworldly beings. And then Steve Greer coined the term close encounters of the fifth kind, which is human-initiated contact with these visitors, whoever or whatever they are. And he, he did that because he had a, a system he devised to make contact, the contact protocols, as he called them. And they, they were very interesting. Uh, some of it has a, a mind component, remote viewing component, but they're, you know, they were grounded in consciousness, which is a, another huge new world that is just beginning to be understood kind of at a quantum physics level. And then there were other modalities, uh, sound and light that Greer and his C-SETI group, working groups would uh, take out into the field and try to uh, basically initiate a close encounter. Gotcha. So I know, you know, you've, you've mentioned the name of the book, Space Pen Club. Obviously, that's kind of a strange name to people who don't know your your backstory with that so talk about why you named it the space pen club well that's the main title there's a long subtitle because i'm a long-winded bastard yeah. sub the sub you know the subtitle uh is uh close encounters of the fifth kind ufo disclosure consciousness and other mind zoomers hmm. and there really is a space pen club um it was started in when I was in college in Minnesota by some friends, one of whom discovered a Fisher space pen. This is a Fisher pen company based in Nevada. And its founder had created a pen that rode in space and astronauts started using it. So this guy, Dennis brought it back to the dorm and showed everybody. And it was like, Oh yeah, this is funny. You know, we kind of made, fun of it you know the tagline on the pen packaging was the first pen to write in space hmm. but uh eventually we started taking it seriously and it became kind of this like iconic 
uh, thing that we formed a, a very loosely defined fraternity around, and we would hold uh, events out in the woods a couple of times a year, spring rites and peak with the leaves. You can imagine there were controlled substances <laughs> at play. I mean, we were in college, it was the late 70s, so mid-70s rather, and, uh, you know, I always joke that the Space Pen Club uh, it represented uh, self-exploration, cosmic consciousness and communication, transcendence, and the occasional quest for beer, girls, tunage, and, and other controlled substances. Mm. But, uh, you know, as I got older, the Space Pen Club really became kind of a backstop for me for anybody seeking higher consciousness or contact with other beings. Our founder, Dennis, who found this in the bookstore where he worked this pen, eventually said that to him, the space pen represented possibilities. And I think that's exactly uh, what the whole UFO discussion is about. True possibilities. What if there are interstellar travelers capable of, of overcoming the time-space continuum and, and being here and then being somewhere else uh, through some technologically assisted consciousness. And um, so that's what it's about. Um, it's kind of a catch basin for the Space Pen Club is kind of a catch basin for anybody doing this type of, of adventurous uh, exploration. And, you know, in the book, we meet astronaut Ed Mitchell, who was on the Apollo 11 flight, six man to walk on the moon. Ed had a uh, transcendent epiphany when he was coming back from the moon where he felt this interconnectedness of all things in his, in his mind. And it, and it invigorated him so much that he set up a foundation called the Noetic Foundation, which explores the science of consciousness. And then Ed, at some point, joined C-SETI as uh, an official advisor, but also really up the credibility of the organization substantially. I mean, here, here we got an astronaut who walked on the moon and, He's saying that extraterrestrials have visited, so on and so forth. So, yeah. long answer to a short question. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I like the you know you said that it kind of represented possibilities. I think that's a a cool summation of of you know what what you're a part of. And I want to I guess know because I I noticed in the book you're pretty much all over the continent when it comes to different um, experiences from you know, Minneapolis to Mexico and all over. So how did this research take place? How did you uh, get the stories and how did, were you able to uh, put it all together for the book? Well, I got to give you a little bit of a backstory. I, I met Steve Greer and C. Seti as a journalist, freelance journalist in like 19, early 1991. But simultaneously, I was having strange, high strangeness events in my house. And they were, I'm not going to go into detail other than to say they were reoccurring. And then I had a precognitive dream in my South Minneapolis home that played out six weeks later in Boston. I, I was standing in the Boston Harbor in the exact spot I had seen in a dream six months previous sleeping in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So that really uh, was a big tap on the shoulder. Um, I didn't know what was happening or what this was all about, but it was very intriguing. And when I met Greer, a lot of what he'd said about consciousness and the non-locality of consciousness, in other words, the ability of your consciousness to be somewhere else from where you actually are, as I just illustrated with my dream uh, anecdote, um, that was very intriguing to me. And it's the type of thing that he teaches at all of his uh, seminars and his sky watches. So I, I wrote a pretty good 18-page story about this organization and Greer and his techniques. Couldn't sell it. I mean, today with the internet, I, I could have it placed in 10 different places. But, you know, the inter internet was in its infancy then, early 90s, and uh, I couldn't find any mainstream uh, publications. You know, I submitted it to Vanity Fair and some other places that do long form feature stories. 
nobody took it. So I said to him, I said, I know you wanted the story to help publicize and expose who you are. I said, but I think, you know, I could help you better if I became the publicist for your organization. And he agreed to it. So off we went for about five to six years. Greer's whole thing was to set up working groups around the country and in England, although I think now they're in Japan and throughout Europe and Australia. He's got a fairly large following, but he teaches these working groups to try to initiate a close encounter of the fifth kind and um, take take that interaction to the next level, whatever that may be. Uh, it's fascinating, fascinating, visionary stuff, although... <laughs> Even today I go, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. And this is the most visionary thing I've ever done. It was, you know, it's, it's out there on the ledge. Uh, but I met a lot of interesting people, including uh, Dr. Mitchell and uh, attorney Danny Sheehan, who joined our public disclosure effort in the mid nineties. And now, you know, the government is finally doing its own sort of disclosure or at least it's attempting to set up a framework for that uh, officially, you know, but this is 20 some years down the road after what we tried to do in the nineties with disclosure. So a lot of good ammo for a book. For sure. And you, I mean, you mentioned that you struggled in the early nineties to get it published and how it'd be a lot easier now. And that kind of leads into kind of another topic that you mentioned, and that is what you call the the big thaw when it comes to the paranormal, UFOs, all that kind of thing. Talk about what you call the big thaw when it comes to, uh, you know, mainstream media and this topic. Yeah, I would call it the big fail. <laughs> you know, a lot of reporters just, uh, number one, they probably have never read a UFO book in their life. Uh, they're familiar with the X-Files show because it's become kind of a cliche and a media trope for people to talk about this subject or give it a a framework in which to uh, discuss it, you know, usually with a wink and a nod, although I think that's changing ever since the New York Times published their front page story in 2017 about the secret UFO study at the Pentagon, which uh, really, really set things in motion and and really began to change the uh, I guess the view that, oh, UFOs are real, and oh, our pilots have had close encounters with some of these tic-tac uh, objects, as they're called. I mean, that said, I think those tic-tac videos look like TikTok videos to me. They're, you know, they're poorly produced, and, and a lot of them are shot on infrared cameras and pilots moving at high speeds, but they're co- they cause quite a sensation. And we're at a very interesting place now with the congressional hearings that started recently in Washington about this. Uh, There's a new office set up at the Pentagon. All this stuff is explored in part in the last two chapters of the Space Pen Club, chapters 9 and 10. And then I've extended the conversation um, through my blog at uh, www.thespacepenclub.com because there's just been so much news on this over the last five years. And uh, so you can track my thoughts on everything on that blog. And uh, I also have an Instagram uh, post that I try to hit a couple of times a week. I've been a little lazy on Twitter Hmm. just because there's so much noise on Twitter about this. uh, but I'll, I'll get, I'll be jumping into that a little more earnestly this fall. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you said earlier that getting involved with uh, the gentleman you did early in the nineties and what he's doing now is one of the most interesting things you've ever done. And then also maybe one of the craziest things that you've done. So I guess, where do you, where do you stand on all of this? Because obviously there's a lot of people on different spectrums, whether this has never really been figured out after all these years, whether there's just some huge cover-up that we don't know about, or whether it's just all in people's imagination. So where, where are you at with everything? Well, the subject's been very well managed since the so-called Roswell incident. 
probably before that, in 1952, the uh, government convened a, a, a panel called the Robertson Panel because the, there were increasing numbers of UFOs being spotted and reported in the mainstream media at the time, which is all there was really. Uh, television hadn't really even bloomed until the mid to late 50s. But radio and newsprint magazines and books, of course, and then Hollywood jumped on this as a as a genre, as a you know, and that's that's been exploited, with good, bad, and ugly ways. Where do I stand on it? Uh, well, I know for a fact it's it's real. I mean, the government's has acknowledged as much. Are we ever going to see? or understand where these things are from, who they are, what they want, what they, what, what do we want from them? I, I don't know. I, I have, on one hand, I have friends who are very cynical and say, yeah, this, you know, all this new government interest in this is just more smoke. It's going to turn out like Project Blue Book again, which the Air Force opened uh, in the 40s and then shut it down in the late 60s without really making any conclusion other than to say, you know, how oh, we have these cases that are truly inexplicable. <clears throat> I think a lot of people are thinking we're going to see that result as these new offices are set up at the Pentagon and these congressional hearings play out. But on the other hand, I have another group of friends that think I'm totally off my, my nut and uh, they they can't wrap their their arms around it. It's 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 too much for them. I call it radical reality a couple times mm. in the book, and I think I think that's a good way to describe it. No, that that makes sense. And you know, I I never make any kind of opinions in in this podcast. That's not what this is about at all. But I do talk to people from all walks of life. You know, from professional dancers to authors like you to all kinds of people. So the listener is very diverse. It's not just like a paranormal podcast by any stretch of the imagination. So what do you say to people who are listening that do maybe, obviously it's, you, you've made some, some pretty interesting, powerful points to those who do tend to agree with, with what you're saying. What do you say to the people who maybe follow along the line that thinks that a lot of what you're saying can be explained away what, what do you where what do you say there well i'm not i'm not out to convert anyone although mm. you know I, I like to pull out the historical example of dr j allen hynek who gave us the uh, close encounters terminology hynek went from being a rabid skeptic about this uh he was the guy for anyone who's my age I could remember the Michigan sightings, I think in the, uh, the early, I think late 60s, early 70s. And uh, police officers saw this, a bunch of college kids on campus, I think near Lansing, Michigan, saw these objects, reported them, it was making news everywhere. So a panel of experts was convened by Congress and Heineck was one of the lead experts in it. And his conclusion was that it was swamp gas, you know, it was methane off, off gassing from the wetlands nearby, which became almost as notorious as the phrase X-Files. So, but Heineck went from being that guy to being an avowed, uh, I don't like to say the word believer that conjures up religious framing, which this isn't about that, but he became uh, almost an advocate for more research into this subject, knowing full well that it was real. I mean, you don't have to go far. That <laughs> I'm going to read a uh, statement that Whitley Strieber wrote, and I'm sure most people are familiar with him. If you're not, Strieber is a well-known so-called abductee who wrote the best-selling book, uh, communion and when this you know reports of these tic tacs were making the news and everything and these congressional hearings were being called for Strieber kind of shrugged off the whole thing in his uh, june 4th blog of last year titled what's the big deal 
The Pentagon admitted UFOs were, quote, not of this world 74 years ago. And he cited a 1947 classified memo from General Nathan Twining that was later released under a Freedom of Information Act. And Twining stated, quote, that the phenomenon reported is something real and not visionary or fictitious. The memo went on to describe, quote, extreme rates of climb and other characteristics that precisely match the recorded capabilities of the objects recently released in the naval footage. So if an earthling, if an earth, earthly foreign power has such craft now, then they also had them in 1947. So there's a lot, there's a lot of military uh, statements like this on the record. You don't have to look that far to find them. And, you know, that's the kind of reporting that we haven't seen yet, but I think at some point we will. Yeah. So I guess because we've already talked about how, you know, the entertainment world has taken this and ran with it. We talked about, you know, close encounters of the third kind with, Steven Spielberg, I was going to mention, you know, the very famous book, Communion, all of these things that have kind of, whether you believe in this type of thing or not, makes for entertaining fare. So what I would ask you is, because, you know, I've talked to so many different people that tell me, you know, what movies make this out to be, you know, I've talked to FBI agents, what movies make this out to be, it's not at all what it's really like, or what... The entertainment world obviously blows things up. So if somebody's wanting to hear, other than your book, which I'm sure is a, is a great first step, but beyond, beyond that, what's some good, whether it's movies, whether it's books that people can look at that's not just, I guess, for entertainment purposes that are just embellished? Well, because, I, what, 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 I forgot to say, so what I, because you, you did say, because communion was one that I was going to ask you about, but you did say, so-called abductor. So it made me think maybe that isn't a good book. Maybe you don't necessarily agree with that one. I don't know. I've not read the book myself, so I don't even know what it's truly what's in it. Well, the whole abduction phenomenon is kind of the Achilles heel of the UFO UAP discussion. Hmm. I mean, at some point people are going to start saying, okay, you've told us UFOs are real. You're telling this from Washington, DC, from a uh, position of authority in the nation's capital. What about all this abduction stuff that we were exposed to mostly in the 90s? There were a lot of abduction stories that were put into these sort of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, these daytime programs. Hmm. Jerry Springer had one back then, and he was always bringing on so-called abductees. There's a whole chapter devoted to abductions in my book, chapter three. It's probably the hardest chapter in the book. If you get through that, it's going to be smooth sailing. Hmm. But it raises the issue of that the possibility that these abductions could be staged. And there's been a couple of books written about that that are pretty well documented. I quote a couple of different sources in chapter three about that uh, ability to using uh, extra low frequency uh, weapons or psychotronic weapons. It, it, it's really kind of a mind control technique where, you know, if you want to have a conversation with your personal God, these, these uh, use of these, of these mic microwaves is, is going to allow that to happen. And it's, uh, it's, it's very disturbing stuff. It's very dark, but I think it happens. And I think uh, it's been used to poison the the uh, experiencer pool the people that have had true close encounters of the fourth kind which is interaction with these beings i go into a really great well-documented story about dr john slater and his son from uh, the university in north dakota in grand forks they had a onboard unplanned rendezvous somewhere in wisconsin on their way driving to a family reunion further south, I think in Indiana or Missouri somewhere. And um, they both recalled it, not under hypnosis, which a lot of these abductees uh, have to go through to get to what they think happened to them. And it was all very positive, but there's so much negative uh, news around 
people who've had the CE4 experience, it's, it's a very dubious proposition. And at some point, it's either going to uh, come out and, and kill the open investigative climate we're in right now, or it's going to advance it uh, at warp speed. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. Yeah, well, we, we will have to see. So somebody's listening to this, they're interested, they want to hear more about the book. Um, what, uh, I guess, picking up your book, what are they going to, to gain from it? Well, they're going to get a lot of insight into, uh, number one, how media has covered this subject. And I think I kind of skirted your question earlier. I mean, what else could I recommend besides my book? There's a wonderful book. It's out of print, but you can still find copies of it called uh, The Missing Times. And it was written by an academic who's no longer with us, but it looks at all the like 60 years of UFO reporting and, and further, further back, written by Hansen, Terry Hansen, S-E-N. And it really lays out it's really a book about how propaganda works or doesn't work. And it's highly annotated. I mean, it he's, does a really great job of sourcing everything, all the claims he makes. That's an eye opener in itself. Uh, Richard Dolan, he's a, a academic historian from upstate New York. He's got a fairly popular website and podcast these days. He's written three volumes on the National Security State and UFOs. I highly recommend all three of those books for starters. My book kind of, you know, borrows from hopefully the best sources. Hmm. And uh, in fact, I was very lucky to get an enthusiastic recommendation from, from Dan Aykroyd, who's been into the subject longer than I have, I think. But he, he wrote a rousing endorsement for the book. And he said, uh, among other things, Aykroyd said, you know, if nothing else, the Space Pen Club is a wonderful bibliography because I, I cite a lot of these books and other sources for people to, to jump off into. So um, what you're telling me between the endorsement from a, a blues brother and all of these other kind of just citing of, of other books your book might be a good uh, a good first book to read in the subject. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, it's a, it's a good primer. Uh, I have a whole chapter devoted to the lousy ways media have have covered this subject, and uh, I, I drag out the example of the time a news crew from CBS's program, Forty Eight Hours, followed Greer and myself and two other CSETI members to Mexico in the volcano zone where there's been some very well documented sightings over the you know last 20 years uh but really heavily in the 90s that have appeared on the news down there uh, the Mexicans call them the ovnis the uh, the unknown the unknowns which is i think it's a great a great term for uh, whoever or whatever these are but this crew shadowed us as we were doing our Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind thing. And they and we had a the second night out with them, we had a pretty interesting uh, event happen that startled even the uh, host of the show, uh, Harold Dow, who was very skeptical, looked like he didn't, he wanted to be anywhere but there with us. But uh, I think we turned his head a little bit and, you know, you can get the details of, from that chapter. It's a pretty exotic place. It's not far from uh, Mexico City. It's like 50 miles away. And uh, if you want to see UFOs, go, go to the Volcano Zone. It's, uh, there's still activity there. There's a, web a webcam on what the locals call, call Mount Popo. It's, an, I think, fifth largest active volcano where there's quite a few UFOs that have been filmed not only around the volcano, but going into the damn volcano. It's, it's mm. mind blowing stuff. I mean, it's, mm. it's, I still have, when I look at some of this footage that you can find on YouTube and elsewhere, I mean, it's, it's like, all right, it's either, it's either hoaxed, which I don't think it is. Cause I saw stuff in that volcano, volcanic Valley myself, or this is happening. And, and somebody at some point is going to do a big, uh, story that blows this wide open. 
Yeah. And the last question I want to ask about this, and then I want you to kind of tell us we're going to be able to find this book and, and you as a whole, you know, this definitely in the entertainment world and in media, I think we look at, you know, UFOs, extraterrestrials, all those type of things in a negative light. You just talked about how a lot of things are negatively covered when maybe they had a positive experience in, in entertainment, you know, aliens are, are in horror movies and scary things. So yeah, you gotta, I, I you gotta have I, a bad guy. <laughs> right. So I then, and that's kind of the question for you. Is that where these you know people that are having these experiences, because obviously again, with paranormal, a lot of times that's scary in scary movies too. Is that where this should be placed? Is it something that people that are experiencing this are having negative things that it's, it's scary. It's a terrifying type thing. Or is that not the case? Is if you understand kind of what I, I mean, is this a well, is this a scary thing or is it not? I mean, I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's off often a combination of the two. I had events that happened in my bedroom that could be viewed as terrifying. Uh, I didn't feel terrified, but I felt like this should not be happening. I'm not under. I, I I'm not in control of the situation. Uh, but still, you know, 20 years down the road, I still don't know if this was ET, if this was a manufactured or hoaxed event, or if this was some other sort of paranormal thing. It seems like humans always have to have an antagonist in order to, uh, number, number one, I guess, tell a good story. But number two, I, I think to frame, to frame a discussion like this, where we're kind of in uncharted territory, but I don't know. I mean, I've read accounts of different people that claim they've been taken up into spaceships and probed and all that. And I'm sure it was terrifying for them. I mean, the Travis Walton case, which looks pretty solid. Uh, Travis was sucked up into a spaceship when he was working with four or five other guys cutting trees in in Arizona someplace and disappeared for five days. And then they brought him back. I mean, I'm sure he was terrified beyond measure. And uh, the, the movie Fire in the Sky, by the way, is, is, is a really decent film about his encounter. And, you know, there are lots of accounts like that, but there are also, I think, a lot of accounts of some people being healed. And like in the case of Dr. Salter from University of North Dakota, they did some healing technique on him. And uh, I think, you know, the proof is in the pudding. And until we find out where these where these uh, beings are from and how they get here and what they want and what we think we want to do with them, I, you know, it's an open question. I don't I don't think it has to be black or white, terrifying, not terrifying. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the other arms of Greer's organization, and I bring him up only because he was really a kind of a mentor to me. I. I don't agree with everything he said, and he said some really uh, not well out thought out things over the years that have come back to bite him. But I really uh, respected his organization and his whole approach to the subject philosophically and morally. But a, a big art, you know, another subset of what he said he does is is you know we're ambassadors to the stars. Uh, we're interstellar emissaries and that was the other intriguing thing about his organization it's like okay once you've made contact then what happens what's the next step in the dance i mean you're going to blow these guys out of the sky which i think we've probably already done on several occasions not just the u.s government but governments around the world because this is a global uh, phenomenon you know what do we do and greer's whole thing is you set up diplomatic relationships with whoever or whatever these, these beings are, and then you mutually move forward. I think whether it's a, you know, scary experiences or not, I think just the unknown is always, is always a scary thing. So I think that's why uh, maybe that's where we can, we can look at it where just, just the unknown is, is the, is the scary part for sure. Um, You brought up a, I, I think a lot of intrigue when it comes to this, you know, that you're experiencing in your bedroom. Hopefully that is something that's covered in the book. Is that covered in the book? Oh yeah. Yeah. The uh, first two chapters are pretty, 
dive pretty deeply into uh, the high strangeness stuff that occurred in their bedroom. And my wife was uh, witness to, to a lot of it. And, uh, you know, it's not something you choose. <laughs> I mean, this wasn't part of my uh, professional or life path, but it opened up to me and I went with it and I've learned a lot subsequently from it. And I'm very curious as to where it's all going to end. I mean, I've had some strange stuff happen to me since the book published. Hmm. You know, I, I joke in the book a couple of different places in the Space Pen Club. I joke like this is my this is my kiss off to ufology. I'm done with it. I don't you know, I'm tired of hearing all these stories. When I see uh, footage of UFOs, I just kind of yawn and do the next click on, on hmm. the page that I'm looking at. I mean, I've. I've sort of been there, done that. And I, I, you know, I, I said, that's one reason I wrote the book is to put it all behind me, but I've had a couple of things happen since the book was published where I go, well, I might be done with it, but it's not done with me. Uh, Yeah, I, I, I understand that. I've talked to several people that they write this book just to try to put it behind them. And, and generally that's the case that it's not necessarily whatever the topic is, done with them so how can people find the book plug the book where people can find it and then also your whatever social media you have where people can find you as a whole uh the best place to buy the space pen club is at amazon Hmm. that's really our distributor right now i mean you can go into your favorite local bookstore and they they can order it for you from amazon but you're going to get a lot quicker if you just go direct uh I'm with an interesting sort of new wavy type publisher that, that uh, as much as we all love bookstores, we think that, you know, it's not the best business model anymore. So we use Amazon as our distribution center. Um, social media. I have a Facebook group page. Anybody can join called the Space Pen Club. Just look for uh, Martin Keller or Google Facebook groups and look for the Space Pen Club. I do a fair amount of posting on that. There's some interesting discussions of fellow members uh, that have joined. And then uh, I'm also on Instagram. Not so much on Twitter, but as I said earlier, that's going to change. And then I think you'll find some good reading on the blog, which is at, again, www.thespacepenclub.com. Just click on the blog, and I'm trying to stay current on that with all the uh, developments that have come our way since the New York Times uh, kind of broke this subject open five years ago. And there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that uh, we're going to see evidence of here pretty soon, I think. Uh, For instance, uh, two congressional guys, Representative Gallagher from Green Bay, who's a Republican and Representative Gallego from Arizona, who's a Democrat, have just inserted into this defense authorization bill some whistleblower protections for people to come forward uh, with their information, military personnel or intelligence uh, professionals, et cetera, et cetera. And they use some interesting verbiage. They don't want to look at man-made technology that might be based on this stuff. They want to look at the hardcore, what appears to be ET vehicles that uh, are showing up on on all these sensors that we have here and around the world. So something something to be uh, on the lookout for on your blog, and then obviously in media as a whole. But but yeah, no, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I'll definitely get the link to your book on Amazon in the show notes for people that want to check that out. But It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Jackson. You asked great questions and uh, you're good company. Oh, thank you very much. So that was Martin Keller. Definitely learned a ton from from him. Like I said in the beginning, he he talked about things that I would have never even thought of and and something that makes me want to research this topic even more. I... uh, I, I don't know. I don't honestly, you know, I always say, hey, I don't, I'm not going to give my opinions on things. But I don't know. I don't really know what my opinion is here. Uh, it's definitely an interesting topic. That's for sure. Uh, something that I know a lot of people are really, really passionate about. And uh, yeah, we'll leave it to you. I, you know, we've talked to 
astronomers and and people that deal with space before and and they all have said you know we think there's there's extraterrestrials we think there's aliens um so you know, the people i brought on have, have thought that you know what what you think well we'll leave that up to you um and it's something that i <laughs> i don't know either so um but i do know that martin was a, an amazing guy to speak with uh, he had just a, a fascinating story to tell his own unique experiences his own personal experiences with um you know his his perceived uh, paranormal things that have happened to him his his uh, extraterrestrial um, experiences definitely fascinated me to to hear what those were those that bedroom thing that he talks so much about um, I haven't had a chance to dive deeper into the book yet but I'm really really looking forward to uh, to seeing exactly what that was all about if you're interested in, in hearing more about that go check out the space pins club um, it's space pin club spacemans club it sounds like i'm saying spacemans but it's space pen um, and i will put a link to that uh, book in the show notes for amazon definitely uh, something i think you'll, you'll find fascinating i mean uh, a blues brother thought so so you've got to as well so <laughs> i guess you don't have to but certainly certainly piques my interest so go check him out of course with us Go check us out uh, on Instagram, jacksnuff.com, Not in a Huff um, podcast on Instagram. I, I think I've, I've already said, said that one, um, but jacksnuff.com, all of those, please do uh, check it out. And obviously, we're still running the, the contest up until the end of week, uh, I guess it'd be week 104, episode 104. So you still have time to, to get involved in that. So all you got to do is follow us if you're not already on Instagram. Go give us a like on Facebook if you want. Um, Five-star rating on Apple and on Spotify and or, I guess, write a review on Apple if, you're, if you, uh, you want to be extra awesome. Email me, DM me, something to show that you, you've done that or if you're a, a follower for a long time show me that you have been just show me that you're engaged that'll enter you to win that hundred bucks uh, to celebrate that hundredth episode a few weeks ago really really appreciate uh, those who have already entered i look forward to uh, to giving out that hundred bucks so go uh, go do that if you would um, but yeah it's been a, a pleasure uh, having martin on this week uh, thanks so much for listening yourself and uh, take it away chris this has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome. <laughs>